Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you uh, for this time that we have to gather together and to go through your word, this time in which we worship you. Uh, we thank you, Father, even on this day uh, in particular as we have the resurrection uh, brought before us uh, even more, as it were. Uh, we thank you for sending your Son. Uh, thank you for saving sinners. Uh, thank you for um, your goodness to us. And uh, we thank you for his resurrection from the dead, uh, which uh, means that we are raised with him. We have life through him. And uh, we ask now, Lord, that as we consider uh, the heart work in all of us, myself included, that we would examine ourselves and ask ourselves the difficult questions and truly put our life to the light of your word and see where we stand by your grace, Lord. Would you do these things and would you sanctify us, form Christ in us to the glory of your name. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, if you think about it, over the last nine months or so, it's actually been that long um, as I thought back through it. Um, we have really kind of anchored ourselves in the Gospels, um, and what we really consider is our different aspects of the life of Christ or different aspects of the teachings of Christ. Uh, really, we started with the Beatitudes, if you remember, and then from there we went through and looked at a handful of the parables, and then we looked at the Incarnation, um, and finally, uh, most recently, right, we looked at the spirit in the life of Christ, which my understanding is that's to be continued. It's kind of like stopped for now, and we'll get back to that. And now what, uh, we turn to what I would call the imitation of Christ. That ultimately is what we will be looking at. This particular class I've titled Foundational Aspects, and I've titled it that because what we're looking at here is not merely the principle of imitation as we see it in Scripture, Right? I think that none of us would argue that we see imitation taught throughout Scripture. Uh, but what we're really looking at is um, where it starts and who it starts with, specifically Christ. And so this class will be focused on uh, really um, looking at the life and the teachings of Christ as we see them in a couple places in the Gospels, then seeing really how it's that life, that teaching, we see then in the rest of the corpus of the New Testament and how that drove um, the various things you see on the board, specifically imitation language, how that's expressed, right? Uh, we'll be looking at ultimately what the imitation of Christ consists of. So we have kind of an understanding of um, what's in view, um, and then finally, what is the foundation for? Um, as, as I kind of thought through uh, this topic, you know, we see it, I think, as the foundation for, like, Paul's apostolic ministry, for example. Um, and we see it ultimately the foundation for how we're to live as Christians. And so we'll look at a couple different texts that kind of draw out these various ideas. Um, we will be, the, the goal here is ultimately to start with Christ, Right? and anchor ourselves there in either various texts in the Gospels um, and so forth. And then, like, while we're anchored there, kind of like a boat when it's anchored moves around to different parts, like of the sea, as it were, right within range, we'll look at how we see this in different areas in the New Testament. That's kind of the idea there. So when we think of imitation in Scripture, what do we normally think of? Like, what verse comes to mind or... 
Maybe what individual comes to mind? Paul, right? That's what I think of. Um, we think of what, like 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, right? Be imitators of me as I am of Christ. Um, we think of all of his different passages where it's like imitate one another or you became imitators of the churches, right? Or you became imitators of us and our Lord. We'll look at that, you know, reference that in a little bit. Uh, but it's generally with Paul, right? But is that where imitation language begins? No. I'm obviously asking the question for a reason because no, that's not where it begins. Paul ultimately is following the example of Christ. So we're used to language that we see that is very explicit, like 1 Corinthians 11, 1, for example, where it uses that word imitation, right? But there are many other words that we see um, used in Scripture that I want to walk through. So first, imitation expressed by Christ. What kind of comes to mind if we're thinking of this imitation motif and it beginning with Christ? What do we see used by Christ to express imitation, do you think? Imitating the Father. Yeah, I guess he said, like, the things I see in the, the, things I see in the Father I do, something along those lines. Right, what does he say in regards to that? Do you specifically remember? That's the overall message of that passage. But if we look at John 13, um, if we look at John 13, um, in particular John 13, 15, right? What type of word do we see? Who wants to read John 13, 15? Um, yep. So, so I gave you an example that you also should do as I did to you. That's right. So what word do we see here? Example. So example is one uh, word that we see used in various places, right? Um, in addition to this, um, we see the language of, um, you know, should do, right? Uh, what else does it say? Should do as, right? Or even as is what we'll sometimes see, or just as. And in this same verse, we actually see, I gave you an example that you should do as I did to you, right? So there's this, this imitation language here that we see in this, that as I have done, you do. It's not explicit in the sense of, oh, imitate me, right? But we do see it um, uh, implicitly just with the language that's used. Uh, John 13, 34 through 35, same, same thing. He says, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another, now, what language do we see here? Even as, right? I have loved you that you love one another. By this, all men will know that you're my disciples, right? So we see that even as language. And then John fifteen twelve. This is my commandment that you love one another just as I have loved you. Do you guys think of any other words? And, I, and the reason I want to walk through these specifically, because 
it's like as we understand these words in particular, it'll be as we're reading scripture, it's like imitation, even from Christ, will jump out at us. Is This is what we should be doing. These aren't options, right? These aren't like if, it, you know, if we're a super Christian, we do these things, or if we feel like it, we do these things. But these things are to be done by those who name the name of Christ. And that's how we have to understand it. Mm. Yeah, so that's that just as Christ has loved you. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, and what's interesting there, so we'll get into some of these verses exegetically when we get to each of those topics that we'll address over the coming weeks. But you see that Christ is being used as the example, right, in these instances, right? Um, other ones I have ought to, right? Um, just like the, the, the should do, but you, you ought to, right? Uh, we see this language in right before in John uh, 13, 14. Um, he says, uh, If then the Lord and teacher wash your feet, right? Like I've done this for you. You ought also, or you ought to wash one another's feet. And then finally, um, it took me some a little bit to think through this, but really the, the follow me language that we see, um, the, the various follow me statements made by Christ uh, has overtones and even alludes to the concept, the ideology of imitation. Um, in fact, um, this involves not continuing in our own way, right? And doing our own thing, but a denying of ourselves and kind of getting in line with like the path that Christ has blazed, right? Follow him in that path that he has walked. So Matthew ten thirty eight, right? And he who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. Um, Matthew sixteen twenty four. Um, Matthew sixteen twenty four um, says this. One second. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself. That means you don't keep walking how you did walk, right? But you, now you follow me. Um, and so what we see here is that at the very core of discipleship, what is there? Self-denial. Self-denial that then leads to imitation. Imitation is ultimately like the foundation of discipleship. It's a following after, like that teacher, right? Um, interestingly enough, um, I'll mention this. If we think of Matthew eleven, um, eleven twenty nine, I believe. Yeah, he says, "We all know. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest." But then Matthew eleven twenty nine, right, says, "Take my yoke upon you and learn from me." So there's this interesting aspect of like learning from Christ and the way that he walked and the way that he lived and the things that he taught and then doing those things. Interestingly enough, we see this too, this same language in Ephesians 4.20. Um, here he says, but you did not learn Christ this way. 
And so what's interesting about this is right before this verse, what's he addressing? You guys can turn there and look at it. Do you know what he's addressing? He's addressing the way that, um, he says this in verse 17, so I say this, so this I say and affirm together with the Lord that you walk no longer as the Gentiles, uh, just as the Gentiles also walk, right? So he's looking at how they walk and the futility of their mind, right? Um, But what he identifies is like, you didn't learn Christ this way. Now, what's interesting about that phrase, it's very unique, but what's interesting about that, it's as if they were taught what? What were they taught? Christ. They were taught Christ. They learned Christ. They studied Christ, as it were. And that's what they were shown. And this kind of points out to me, it's like we should be studying Christ, his life, his teaching, right? How did he live? What examples did he put forth? And that ultimately should then be guiding how we live. Uh, Because as he goes through that, right, we know the rest, like lay aside falsehood, right? Don't let unwholesome words come out of your mouth. And then the verse that was referenced earlier, right at the beginning of chapter 5, be or therefore be imitators of God as beloved children. And it's like he's kind of setting up that imitation idea. Don't walk the way you used to walk, how the Gentiles walk. You are now in Christ, right, hidden in him. You've learned Christ, right? Therefore, walk as he walked. So that same language uh, there as well. But there's also language, even as we discussed uh, in the New Testament corpus that we see that ultimately, I think, it's like Christ's language leads to what's laid out in the rest of the New Testament. I don't think that's like a surprise statement to any of us, right? All of Scripture is focused on Christ and Christ being formed in us, right? Um, but we explicitly see it. We looked at 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, be imitators. 1 Corinthians 4.16, therefore be imitators of me, right? So there's this language that is used, um, even if we look at like 1 Thessalonians 1.6 through 7. He says, you became imitators of us and of the Lord, right? So, okay, that's good. Following the example in Paul of how he's following Christ, and they became uh, uh, imitators of the Lord, by the way that they received the word in much tribulation. And then look what it led to. What did it lead to? It says, so that you became an example to those who are in Macedonia and Achaia. Right? So it's like, if you think about the way it flows, it's like we look at Christ, we learn of Christ, we follow Christ, we're having ourselves conformed to the image of Christ, right? And as we're doing that, we're then examples Lord willing, that others can then follow. And so, like, what should be in the back of our mind really is, you know, it almost seems like pridefulness is to say, oh, follow me, like, as I follow Christ, right? It's not, as long as, like, our motives are truly oriented towards Christ. But it's a convicting statement. Because can we say that? Would we be able to say that to each other, that our lives are so akin to um, Christ and how he lived, how he acted, what he taught, that people could imitate us and be found to like be following Christ. We're living one way or another, right? We're either living in a way that can be imitated, 
right? And it leads people closer to Christ and uh, so forth. Or we could be leading, living in a way that is opposite. And it's actually a bad example for people. Um, It's generally not neutral. We see other language in in Paul's writings, in particular, first or Philippians 3.17, Brethren, join in following my example um, and observe those who walk according to the pattern that you have in us. So it's like, follow Paul's example and those that are also observing the pattern that we have, like observe them as well. Uh, 4.9 in Philippians as well. The things you have learned, there's that learned language again, the things you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things. This is what our life should be centered on, is practicing the things that we see in Christ, or have seen like through his life, as well as then if we're living and have godly examples, um, what they have done as well. And we'll um, dive into this particular verse a little bit later, but 1 John 2, 6, the one who says he abides in him, ought himself, there's that ought language again, ought himself to walk in the same manner as he walked. And in 1 Peter 2, 21, we'll look at this as well. It says, for you have been called for this purpose since Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example to follow in his steps. So you have the example language, you have the follow language, you have the walking language in the same manner. And what we see is that ultimately all of this language that's outside of the Gospels, right, is driven even by Christ himself and what he taught. Any comments or questions? No. Yeah, we'll show forth like we'll show forth that like even like we read that we're his disciples by how? Right, by how we love one another, right? So there is an aspect in showing forth uh Christ uh in how we're being conformed to his image by the way that we live. Um but to share the gospel, right? Like, you know, words are necessary, contrary to what people say, it's like, you know, share the gospel if necessary, use words. That's not a sound saying. Um, you know, uh, we must hear uh, uh, Christ's words, and we must hear the gospel, right? So, um, but truly showing, like, the way we love one another will be an example to the world. Uh, when, when Christians are truly loving the world, the world see nothing like that outside of the church, Um. Next, how are we to imitate, right? What does the imitation of Christ consist of? What do you guys think it consists of? I have two headings, so we'll lump it into, you know. Okay, so like kind of like the things we do, right? Which would also, I think, line up with, like I have the heading of first, um, obedience, right? Living obediently to the word of God and his commands and so forth, right? Um, 
Christ, if you think about it, he was the consummate obedient one. He lived perfectly. Um, John 15.10 says this, If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. You see, Christ kept his Father's commandments, and he always did the things that were pleasing to the Father. So he has kind of set this example again, right? That if you want to abide in his love, then what should we do? We should obey, right? We should keep his commandments. Um, that just as he did, we are to do. But is it only obedience that's in mind when it comes to the imitation of Christ? Yeah, that's true. Mm. So that's one aspect of it, right? We're going to hit on that, Lord willing, in the coming weeks. Did you have something? Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Would you? Mercy. Okay, so we have we have suffering, we have mercy. What do you got? The mind of Christ. Yeah, so that's definitely a way in which, like, if you look at Paul, Paul is using that as an example, right? Like saying, like, this is this is how Christ thought. This is how his his mindset of a servant, right? And this is how you should be acting, right? So you have, like, in a sense, service. You have. Uh, mercy, you have suffering, right? Two of those we'll be touching on in the coming weeks. And so what I have is like, it's, a, it's, it's really the totality um, of his life. In other words, I guess you, if you were to summarize it, it would be his example. His example on how to suffer, his example on how he showed mercy, his example on how he served, right? So you're looking at then how did Christ live in these different, like, you know, if you had these general headings, right, which are kind of what we'll spend the next, you know, six weeks going through, right, is how did he live? Um, yeah, it, it, it basically stands like another way of saying, I guess, is like the way he walked, right? Uh, John thirteen thirteen through 17. If you guys want to turn there, we'll, we'll look at this passage a little bit here. John thirteen thirteen through 17. Yeah. Would somebody like to read that passage? Sure. That's correct, yeah.
Mm. Yeah, so there's a couple things to notice here. First, what we see is that there's a proclamation made, right? Something like that. Proclamation, or uh, you could say just like a claim being made, right? What's the claim being made? Huh? That's right. Teacher, Lord, right? He's saying, you call me teacher and Lord, right? There's a claim being made about who he is in relation to them. And this is important, as we'll see in a little bit. Secondly, following this claim... What is there? There's a, what's that? Okay, a command, right? I have it as, like there's an inherent responsibility. You could say responsibility or obligation. You're making this claim, then there's something that should follow, Right? The teacher and Lord set forth the example that they should do as he did to them. Uh, He served them. He washed their feet. They ought to do the same, right? And then thirdly, we see this idea of the, um, uh, the master, right? And uh, the slave, right? That the slave isn't greater than the master, Right? And so, along these lines, it's like there's no rogue Christianity where you're out kind of like blazing your own trail, doing your own thing, right? Making your own path. It's, you're not better than the Master was. You're walking that same path that He is. And in the way that He suffered, and the way that He loved, and the way that He showed mercy, and the way that He served. I mean, you name it, right? It's, He gave us an example as to how we ought to be living, If we turn to 1 John chapter 2 now, 1 John chapter 2, we see this same construct. First John chapter 2, verses 3 through 6. But before we read this, right, um, what was the purpose of John writing the letter? Yeah, yeah, John, First uh, John 5.13, right? These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. Right? John gives a checklist of sorts as he kind of goes through this book and like, how do you, how do you line up? How do you, where do you stand? Right? It's like some of these are like, right? Do you love the brethren? Uh, Do you confess that Jesus is the Son of God? Do you believe Christ is born of God? Do we love the world? Right? All of these different things he kind of lays out, and it's very clear, like, where you stand then if we truly examine ourselves. And here in 1 John 2, 3 through 6, I think we're given a couple other ways to examine ourselves that follows the pattern of what we just looked at. So here in 1 John 2, 3 through 6, would somebody like to read that? Yeah. But if we know that we have come to know him, if we mm. 
his commandments is a liar, mm-hmm. and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word in him, the love of God has truly been perfected. By this we know that we are in him. The one who says he abides in him ought himself to walk in the same way. Yeah. So what do we see here that's kind of similar to what we read? The outlines here. There's claims being made, right? Twice. Right? What is the first one? The one who says in verse 4. The one who says there's somebody making a claim about something. And what is that claim? That they know him. Right? And this is what I want to have in the back of our minds as we move through this. Most people here are making a claim. And they're making this claim. That they know him. Right? What does it say? Well, you make that claim, but you don't keep his commandments. What are you? That's right. And so we see even here in John's teaching here, he's following the pattern of Christ and making that claim brings about obedience. You must be obeying the Lord Jesus Christ. He says the truth is not in him. But associated with this claim, right, is that inherent responsibility, right? Like I said, they have to, in this case, this would be just, you know, obey, do what he says, keep his word. But in addition to that, we see... Uh, the totality of his life or his example included in this, because what's the second claim? There's people who say what? Verse 6. Not they know him. There's a, they know him. Um, and in this case, right, we're saying we abide in him. We're found in him. Well, if that's the case, what's the inherent responsibility that comes with that? It's very explicit. That's right. Like we have no other option. It's you make that claim, then are you walking as he walked? That's a very like that's that's a challenging question, right? Because we don't do that perfectly. None of us do that perfectly. Right? And so we have to think through like what are the implications for us in something like this? right? Like, what does this look like for us? Because there's ways in which we will not ever follow his example. Can you guys think of any? Very simple. We'll never be a propitiation for sins, right? Like that example that he set there, like that'll never happen. We will never walk on water, right? Um, And quite honestly, we'll never perfectly obey even this, even as we're to walk as he walked, we'll never do that perfectly. And so in some sense, that can lead to like this, you know, we shouldn't be walking around with like a paranoid mind. Yeah. I, I think exactly what you're saying is uh, it makes it very important that John says what he says in first John, in first John 1 John, mm-hmm. that if you say you are without sin, mm-hmm. then you are a liar as well. Mm-hmm. Because the, the next thing he brings up is about walking just like he walked. And in a sense, he's also Yeah. So what does it look like then? Right? 
I think there, like, there's nobody here that would say, like, oh, we're going to do this perfectly. Um, what does it look like then? Um, I think at the most basic level, it's going to be um, uh, the, really the, the Spirit in us. The Spirit in us. That, that ultimately what we see when we're walking as He walks is the fruit of the Spirit being manifested in us. Um, Christ was uh, full of the Spirit par excellence, right? Like it was, He had it to the fullest. He had it and, and walked as He uh, could walk. We just looked at that, right? The Spirit in the life of Christ and looked at those different aspects um, and so forth. But we have His Spirit, right? His Spirit resides in us. He has given us His Spirit. And so the same Spirit who, like, this is the same Spirit, right, that's conforming us and shaping us to what? That's right. We're being conformed into more and more Christ-likeness in what, though? Obedience and His example. So it's like more and more we learn to obey His commands, and more and more through following His example, we look like Christ more and more in that sense. We're imaging Christ uh, in that way. And so we shouldn't walk around like, like I said, like with a paranoid mind of like, oh, am I walking as Christ walked? And like, does this, you know what I mean? Where we're just like starting and stop like examining every little aspect. But at the same time, we tend to be people, if you're anything like me, where it's like you let yourself off the hook a little too easy when it comes to these things. What does it usually say? Like, oh, I do that, but like, of course, I'm a sinner, and so like, you know, and it's like, oh, I'm okay. Like, and that's true. That's true. But like, we have a high calling, brothers and sisters. Like, this isn't just like, okay, you know, but we're, we are sons of God. We are in Christ, and we have a responsibility. That's what we need to understand. This isn't just like coast time until we're to, we get to heaven. That's right. This is no, there's no options here. There is an absolute responsibility to walk as he walked and then to continually be examining ourselves are we doing that and where we fall short we go to the throne of grace and we find mercy in our time of need but then we're continually at the same time crying out lord help me to walk as you walked right like that should be the mentality because we're going to fall boom forgive me we're broken over it, but like help me more and more to be like christ Somebody had a question. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. That is, I mean, that is it. That the striving for holiness. Yeah. I heard a theologian say, like, you should strive to be as holy as your faith permits you to be. Yeah. I think it, even Emilio said it this way, like, be as holy as you want to be. Yeah. Right? Unfortunately, again, with that statement, it's like, well, like, I only really want to be like, this holy you know and you know that's true but it's like man if we could picture what we have in christ it's like we would be just running this world would have nothing on that stuff christ had that view and so what did he do it's like he obeyed the father perfectly he knew and he set that example Mm. 
Yeah, and that's where truly the growth in grace and growth in like knowing him more hopefully then creates those desires where we're, you know, but it's like when we're not, when we're not in his word and we're not studying his word and we're not in prayer and we're not in fellowship and we're not in church and it's like, well, no wonder like the desires for those things are like minimal to non-existent, which is why it's stressed here so much, like be here, fellowship with here, you're covenanted with this body, Right? Mm. knowing Christ, of being in Christ, or being a Christian, but you don't want to do the work or the imitation. Yeah. I call that kind of just being religious. Mm-hmm. In that sense, that you go through the motions, but there is no pursuit to go beyond what is necessary. Yeah. Or what is uh, what everyone else sees as being a requirement to look like you're a Christian. Yeah. That's terrible. Like, that's not the view we should have, you know? So in addition to this, right, like as I kind of thought through this, I said, man, you know, Paul makes the statement in 1 Corinthians 11, 1, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. It starts that 11th chapter, but most commentators point out like, it's like that, that is an unfortunate chapter break because it really kind of goes with what he is mentioning beforehand. And as I thought through it and, and so forth, and even one of the commentators kind of helped me in this, like kind of brought this topic to mind is that Really, the, the example of Christ and his ministry is the foundation for Paul's uh, apostolic uh, ministry. In one sense, it's as if he based his ministry and his approach to ministry and the structure of how he went about it based on like, what he had seen in Christ's ministry, what he had learned of Christ. Um, and this is what we see. So... Just a comparison, right? Because sometimes it's like we think like, okay, there was Christ and then there's Paul and he's doing his thing, right? But it's not as if there's a, like, okay, Jesus had his ministry and the, like the way that he went about it and then Paul had his ministry and the way that he went about it. But as I've thought through some of this, it, it's as if like Paul's replicating the ministry of Christ in the ways that he could, okay? So obviously, again, he's not like another savior or anything like that, but the ways in which he did this. So for example... Mark ten forty five. it says, For the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Um, look at 1 Corinthians 9, 19. So have that Mark verse in the back of your mind. And then 1 Corinthians 9, 19. He says this, For though I am free... From all men, I have made myself a slave to all. So he has taken upon himself, even as Chris has been talking about, this mind of Christ, right? As Christ became, uh, he was rich and he became poor, right? And he took the form of a servant. Paul has sought to do the same thing in his ministry. Uh, even as we read a little bit further, um, he says, To the Jews, I became a Jew so that I might win the Jews. To those who are under the law, as... Um, as under the law, though not being myself under the law, so that I might win those who are under the law. To those who are without law, as without law, though not being without the law of God, but under the law of Christ, so that I might win those who are without the law. To the weak I became weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all men, so that I may by all means save some. And in many ways, if you think about how Christ ministered, it wasn't just like, 
you know, he sought, he was merciful to many people, showed love to all people. You know what I mean? Like that's how he walked. And in the same way, you see Paul desiring to do the same thing and how he ministers to people. Um, and one other example, there in 1 Corinthians 10.33, he says, Just as I also please all men in all things, not seeking my own profit, but here's this language, but the profit of the many. Just like Christ did not come uh, to be served, but to serve and give his life a ransom for the many. Paul sought not his own profit, not to be served, okay? But he too uh, sought the profit of the many for the purpose that they may be saved. Um, so you see self-denial, you see the reference to the many, and you see ultimately that, cry, uh, that Paul, even like as much as he was able, replicated, you know, uh, the, the ministry of Christ and how he approached it. And then that's when you get to the verse in 11.1, right? And he says, like, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. And what he's essentially saying is, like, one, like, how you minister, potentially, but two, even in how he walked. This is how he walked. He walked as a servant. He was poured out as a drink offering, he says. He gave himself for the body of Christ. Um, and that was the example that he set forth. Um, and then secondly, it's a foundation for Christian living. We saw this a little bit earlier with the Ephesians 4.20 reference, where it's like, you have not learned Christ this way. And he tells them how they ought to live, not like the Gentiles. Not in the, right? That's not how they learned Christ. They learned Christ, they, they, they uh, studied Christ as it were, and they looked at how he lived and what he taught, and that is how they should walk, right? Um, but if you want, let's turn uh, to 1 Peter 2.21. I thought this was interesting. Um, this is a body, right, that is certainly going through a fiery trial, right? And they're suffering. Um, and what is interesting here is not an instruction or a comfort provided by the sovereignty of God, right? What do we read here? He says, for you have been called for this purpose, since Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example for you to follow in his steps. Now, in a future Sunday school, when we look at suffering, we'll like exegete this and the following verses after that. But for now, look at what, how he comforted them or how he instructed them. It wasn't, hey, you're going through this trial like God is sovereign, right? And it wasn't, hey, don't worry, like you'll be okay, right? It wasn't, hey, God's been faithful, Think of the faithfulness of God, how he's brought you through all these, right? What does he comfort them with? What does he instruct them in? What's that? Well, Christ that he didn't sin, but ultimately, what is it? It's his example. The, right, and the example of Christ, right? He left for us an example. And so what he reminds them is like, Christ has gone through this. In some form or fashion, it's not that we suffer in the same way Christ suffered, or that we experience everything that Christ suffered, but in the big headings, like Christ has gone through this and the various emotions associated with it, and he's shown us how we ought to respond, how we ought to be thinking, and we follow in his steps. Um, that's what I think is in mind here. And so it's interesting, like if, if a brother came up to me and said, oh man, like I'm really like suffering, right? And right, I would generally be like, well, God's sovereign, like trust the Lord, he's faithful. 
But we could also be like, brother, like Christ has gone through this. Like Christ is there to support you. He knows these things, right? Avail yourself to him. Follow in his steps faithfully. That's another way to look at it. And so finally, it's like, you know, we look at all this stuff, right? It's like, okay, we're studying the imitation of Christ. And I called this, like I said, foundational aspects because what I want to see is that as we move through these coming studies, it's like, understand, it starts with Christ. It starts with Him. He has laid the example. And then in the rest of the New Testament, that example was kind of filled out, if you were, through um, various teachings and experiences and so forth. Um, but this is like where we're headed for the series. And there's not in any particular order. Um, but we'll be looking at the imitation of Christ in evangelism. Um, we'll be looking at the imitation of Christ in suffering and in prayer and in serving, and in love. And then finally, or I don't know if it's finally, because I said it's not any particular order, but it will be Christ's view of the church. Do we follow and have the same view of the church and the body that Christ had? And so what is the overall goal, right? What is the purpose? It's great to know all this, right? But this is to be very practical, and Lord willing, very pressing upon all of us, even myself, like as I study this, that it's like, what should it lead us to? What should our focus be? Well, conformity ideally, but even before we get there, right, it's like we should examine ourselves and look like, do we imitate him in these different areas as he's like outlaid? Are we doing this? And then obviously if not, it's like, you know, are we even concerned about that? Do we even care? Is that of any importance to us? Because again, most of us here, are making some sort of claim or proclamation about our position in Christ. We know Him, we love Him, we abide in Him. And if so, then there are inherent responsibilities that are upon us. It's not, there's no wishy-washy like, maybe, maybe not. It's inherent upon us, myself included, to are we doing this? Are we imitating Christ? And so Lord willing, as we go through this, we'll look even more closely at each of these topics and kind of shed more light on what it means to imitate Christ in prayer. Like those types of things. Imitate Christ in his view of the church and so forth. So any final questions or thoughts, comments? Good. Did you have something? Yeah. All right. Let's go worship.